Guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Quarkcast Nation, we got some realness about to hit you in your mind grapes. What does that mean? We got James Nestor, okay? This guy's for real. You may have seen him on Joe Rogan advertising his latest book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. And what I love about this content, guys, is that it's a simple hack. The way we breathe, okay? Like, for example, transitioning to nasal breathing from from mouth breathing. This simple hack can improve things such as your energy, your mental clarity, your conditioning. Even if you got some uh, chronic allergies, some of these techniques can improve that. So, so I have a listen. I hope you really enjoy this episode. The other thing too is I've used some of these techniques over the week, over the years, especially when it comes to strength and conditioning, and I've, I find it could be a game changer. Let me tell you a little bit about James. He's a journalist. He's written in magazines such as Men's Journal, Scientific America, National Public Radio, The New York Times. He's also written such books as Deep, The Click Effect, and of course, the book that came out in 2020, Breath, which we're going to talk about on this episode. So without further delay, my people, James Nestor. Quadcast Nation, it is with extreme pleasure that we're bringing James Nestor on the uh, on the show today. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. So the way we breathe, you know, it's, it's such an important part of uh, our health. And it's not talked about much. But before we, we get into it, I'm just curious, how did you get onto the topic as a journalist? Yeah, it was never something I set out to do. I never set out to write a book about breathing. And at the beginning, when I was first starting to research this, so many people were making fun of me. All my friends were like, <laughs> writing a book about breathing? Like, what a stupid subject. But it wasn't until I really showed them some of the research I'd been digging up and some of these uh, miraculous stories of people who have been transforming their lives, transforming their health, just by focusing on their breath. And I know this seems impossible. It seemed impossible to me until I went out in the field. You know, I spent several years talking to experts in the field, reading hundreds and hundreds of books, looking at studies, working in labs. And how we breathe determines so much of our health and even our happiness. It's something we do 20,000, 25,000 times a day. And if we're doing it wrong, our bodies are not going to be happy. And eventually, they're going to break down. And that's what we're seeing today in society. 
Wow. And we were talking a bit offline there about something as simple as how you breathe, not only, you know, can have some like negative health consequences, but, you know, fixing it can obviously have some quite positive um, health effects. So like, but still, like, was this a journey that because of you, you having any health issues, forgive me if this is too personal, but like, you would think this is a, this something that would trigger based on your health or how did you get onto it yourself? Yeah. And, and that was part of it. You know, uh, I work out all the time. I eat the right foods. At least I think I'm eating the right foods. You know, I sleep, get my, my super eight every night. But uh, years and years ago, I was just getting sick all the time. Uh, a lot of respiratory problems. I was getting bronchitis all the time. I was getting some mild pneumonia. Uh, every year, I seemed to be getting mild pneumonia. I'd take antibiotics. and I thought this was just normal until I met with a doctor who's a very smart person who's like, this is not normal. <laughs> and she suggested, she's, she's like, your, your breathing seems a little off to me. You should go to a breathing class. So I'm in San Francisco. And there's breathing classes on every street corner, you know, there's yoga, all that kind of stuff. So I just picked a class at random and went and just had this extremely weird experience that she couldn't explain, that no one else could explain who with a medical background. I thought, wow, if breathing could make me sweat. And that, that's what it did. I went into this room, crossed my legs, breathed in this rhythmic pattern. Just sweat started pouring out of me. Uh, my hair was sopping wet within a few minutes. Like my t-shirt was wet. It's just crazy. Um, and I didn't understand it. But as a science journalist, I wasn't going to write about just my experience. There was no interest in that for me until I met free divers. These are people who were just blowing the doors off what we thought was possible with, with breath. They can hold their breath for eight, nine minutes at a time wow. and dive down to 300, 400 feet. And I thought if people can do that with breathing, with mastering the art of breath, what else can we do with it? And that's what really set me off on this journey. Wow. No, it's it's absolutely mind blowing when you think of those deep, like the those guys diving for such extended periods of time. And um, just to get a sense from you, you know, like what what's the problem? Like, for example, like what was your problem with your breathing or or problem with what? most of the people out there when it comes to breathing techniques, like where are we going wrong? Yeah. I had always thought breathing was a binary thing. Like if you're doing it, that's, that's good. If you weren't doing it, that's bad. You know, you're either really sick, you're dead and neither of which are, <laughs> are good options, but it's not, it's how we breathe, how we take in that, that breath. You know, we bring in about 30 pounds of air, in and out of our lungs every single day. So way more than what we eat, way more than what we drink. And what I learned from the experts in the field was that so many of us have resistance in our breathing, which is why we snore, something called upper airway resistance syndrome. Mm. So we have sleep apnea, we have allergies, quarter of the population has chronic sinusitis, so it's breathing through its mouth, uh, here in the U.S., 10% of the population has asthma, another like 9% has COPD. I mean, I could just go down this list. You really start looking at the data. And as a species, we are breathing terribly, at, as bad now as we ever have. And I thought, how did this come about? Is this just 
environmental? Is it from pollution? And it turns out it's, it's not. Our faces have changed so dramatically over the past few hundred years that many of us can't even breathe properly if we wanted to. Mm. We have so much resistance in our airways because our faces have grown so flat and our mouths have grown so small. This just blew my mind. Hmm. And, and I mean, that sounds like something that you can't overcome. Like, you know what I'm saying, James? Like if, if you're more like your face and your breathing mechanics have been altered, like certainly when I think of sleep apnea and so forth, like there's other external factors like weight and, and so on. But um, this is what I found that's fascinating about the work with breathing is that you can overcome these barriers, I guess. And it turns out that you can overcome a lot of this uh, anatomical, morphological change that's occurred in our, in our faces. Mm-hmm. And that's stunning to people because a lot of us are told whatever genes we have, like especially in adulthood, when you're a kid, your body's changing so quickly. Environmental inputs have a huge impact on what you're going to be in 10 years and 20 years, from how tall you're going to be to how you're going to look, all of that. But in adulthood, I just thought, oh, we're hosed. Like, you know, I'm not young. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm deeply in middle age. And I thought, what can I do about it? It turns out that our airways, though, yeah, there's bones in our nose. And there's bones that make up our skeletal structure in our face. But all of those bones are coated in tissues. And especially in our noses, it's coated in erectile tissues. So the more we use our noses, the more they're going to open up. So our airways, we can have a huge influence on our airways. We can open them up with correct environmental uh, inputs. And what I mean by that is oral posture, how you're holding your mouth, how you're swallowing, how you're breathing throughout the day, how you're breathing at night. You know, this is, this is a muscle. Your tongue's a very powerful muscle. And if you don't use it properly, it's going to grow real flabby, just like any other muscles. So the more you use it, the more optimized your breathing can become. Wow. And so, so to be clear, like, it sounds like, you know, if you practice proper breathing techniques, you can, it's almost like anything else. It's a muscle. Like you, you, you become more acclimatized. You'll be able to adapt accordingly. And maybe in terms of what, you can do to like, you kind of alluded to a couple of things, but like what, like, for example, in your, your, that class you did where you were, where you learned to use breathing, breathing techniques, like what are some of the common denominators or common features for, for improving your breathing? The first thing you have to do is breathe through your nose and breathe through your nose all the time. And a lot of people say, well, I can't because my nose is always stuffed up. It's talking to, Dr. Jayakar Nayak, the chief of rhinology research at Stanford, many interviews with him, was working in his lab with him, hanging out with him for months and months at a time. He said, you know, if a drain is plugged in your house, you find a way of, of clearing it out as soon as possible. The nose is the same thing. So breathing through the mouth and breathing through the nose are two completely different things. And your body will process this breath in completely different ways. So breathing through the mouth is, can be so injurious to your health. And yet 25 to 50% of the population are habitual mouth breathers. So that's the number one thing. Learn to find a way to breathe through your nose all the time. And if you just do that, 
you can get so many benefits. Yeah, and and so what if you are that 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 person that's like, hey man, I like literally man, like my nose is clogged all the time. Like you see those kids, like you can spot them from a mile away, like their mouth's wide open, they got a bit of a droopy demeanor, they're usually got a ton of allergies and such. Like what can, what can they do? Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think they're they're like does mouth breathing cause allergies and asthma or does allergies and asthma contribute to mouth breathing? And I think it really goes both ways, but the science is very clear. When you switch the pathway through which you breathe, you can attenuate so many of the symptoms of allergies and asthma and ADHD and so many other things. Because again, these are two very different portals through which we take breath in. So someone with chronic sinusitis the first thing that I would do is uh, to consider that the nose is awareness. So the nose is a use it or lose it organ. The less you're breathing through it, the harder it's going to be to breathe through. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So there are various little things, breathe right strips, mute inserts, uh, sprays, natural sprays mm -hmm. that you can clear your nose with. So and these are great training wheels to just get you acclimated to breathing through your nose all the time. Mm -hmm. So some people absolutely need surgical interventions. Their noses are so messed up that they need someone to go in there and, and drill it out. But what I've found is a lot of people can start with these more subtle hacks first, okay? Neti pots are good. That's a mm -hmm. sinus flush that you, this sounds pretty weird to people who've never done it, but you actually drain out your sinus passages with the salinated water. Once you get the hang of it, it's very easy. can be very effective. We do that Some a lot sprays. now, actually. Yeah. So, so you, you know about this. Yeah. So this, this is great. It's, these are such simple things. So by starting with that, you can assess if you really need surgery or not. But from what I learned at, with the researchers down at Stanford, a lot of it comes down to use it or lose it. Yeah. So just start breathing through your nose. It starts to open up. Yeah. This is what I've read a lot about too, is like, um, whether it's like you said, the chicken or the egg, it's tough to know what, uh, which one's which, but regardless, if you do start breathing through your nose, you know, and, and for, and I don't want to say force the issue, but try and optimize the, 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 the conditions, a lot of things get better. Your sleep, your, energy your allergies um your those that are athletic out there like your your conditioning like so many things can can be optimized and the other one that i think is people don't think about often either is from a level of stress or anxiety too and i don't know if this is maybe a difficult question but like do you get a sense of why that works like why like for example, you you're, when you start breathing through your nose, you get more of a level of calm and, and uh, redu reduced stress. Absolutely. And a lot of people might think, oh, there's just a placebo effect or, or whatever. Check out the science here. <laughs> Check out the, the decades of studies that have been done in this field. Mm -hmm. And you learn that when you're breathing through your nose, you're breathing more slowly. So I'm going to invite my friend uh right now uh people who are listening can't see this but uh, what i'm showing is a cross section of a human skull where you can see the sinus passages in the mouth you notice in the nose here there are so many structures when you're breathing through the nose you're forcing air through this gauntlet 
where it is heated and moistened and filtered and slowed down and pressurized so that by the time it, it goes down the throat and gets into the lungs, it's conditioned. So, so your body can upload that oxygen so much more easily. The mouth has none of those benefits. So when you breathe through the mouth, you tend to breathe way too much, way over your metabolic needs. And what happens when you breathe too much? You stimulate the sympathetic side of your nervous system. So that stress response. <sighs> you hear people with anxiety, with panic, and including asthmatics, breathing this way all the time. So just by breathing, I can flip my nervous system to that sympathetic stress side, <sighs> breathing too much. But I can also do the opposite thing by breathing more slowly, which is what we do when we breathe through our nose. We allow our nervous system to go into that parasympathetic, which is the relaxation and rest response. And when you go into this response, you decrease inflammation, your circulation increases, which is why just breathing through your nose, your fingers and toes can tend to get less cold because you're allowing more circulation to go through those areas. If they're going, if that's happening in your fingers and toes, that's also happening with your other organs. So this is the state you wanna be in, this relaxation state, this parasympathetic state, where you can think so much more clearly and you can really reduce stress just by changing your breathing. That's amazing. And, and guys, the reason like I was also really excited to bring James on to talk about these things is it's it's because it's not we don't talk about it much and it's it's you could get such huge bang for your buck huge bang for your buck like we're in, i mean i would time stamp this october 20th heights of second wave covid you know people are stressed i'm not sure like in california there's mixed of kids going to school i think maybe not anyway there's tons of stress within within uh our circles and to be able to have these like easy hacks to be able to give us a, just a little bit more resilience, give, give us a little bit more wiggle room to manage the struggles in life right now, I think is, is wonderful. And, and once again, the amount of kids, and I know it's going to be similar in California, it is in Canada, the amount of kids with the ADHD, the allergies, the sinusitis, um, like it's, it's so, it's so prevalent. And so, any anything that would um help improve this it's it's great i should ask so like you know there's a lot of like i'm a dad of three one of our kids definitely on more on the allerg allergic side you know like how difficult it is to integrate some of this for for kids you know like is this something that like mostly you've noticed that the the adaptation is more within a, uh, adults or like can kids buy into this too? Oh, it's, it's hugely advantageous for kids to take control of their breathing because you're establishing good habits when you're young that you can carry with you into adulthood. I think they just need the proper instruction and that starts with awareness hmm. to teach them, do not breathe out of your mouth. Yeah, you know, we're talking now. When you laugh, you're breathing out of your mouth. Sometimes throughout the day, you're eating, you're breathing. That's completely fine. I'm talking about habitual breathing. Mm -hmm. So if we're taking 20,000, 25,000 breaths a day, the 500 of, of those are throughout your mouth, who cares? You just mm -hmm. don't want 20,000 of those being out of the mouth every single day for all the reasons I mentioned there. And nasal breathing will actually help to bolster your immune function. 
because if you're able to stay in a parasympathetic state, breathe through your nose, you release a lot of nitric oxide here. Guess what nitric oxide does? Interacts directly with viruses. So this is our first line of defense. So there are many therapists that teach kids specifically how to breathe properly. And a lot of that starts with proper oral posture. A lot of us are told about proper posture when, when we're sitting in a chair, when we're walking around, shoulders back and all that. That's all important, but it's very important how you carry your mouth as well. So you see a lot of kids with their mouth slightly open, you know, mm -hmm. but what you really want is your teeth lightly touching and the tongue on the roof of the mouth. And when you do that, the airway opens. So it has two advantages. It helps open the airway. It allows you to more easily breathe through your nose and it can actually change the structure of your face. And that's what they've been finding is kids who have a constant open mouth, they will develop to have a different skeletal structure later mm -hmm. on in life and it will impact their breathing. So good breathing habits are so important for kids. And I wish there was more education around it because no one's really talking about it. Yeah, I wonder why that is, James. Like, I wonder why this isn't been a little bit more mainstreamed. Like, in your studies, like, did you find it's because the awareness wasn't there? Is it because it's not sexy to talk about? Like, what's your humble opinion on, like, why this isn't more talked about? I think I kept asking this question of every expert. And some of these experts I was working with have worked in this field for 30 years. They're at Harvard, they're at Stanford, they're at UPenn, like top institutions who have been doing this research. And I think part of it is a lot of people just want, want the pill, right? They, which is fine. So, so with kids with asthma, bronchodilators, oral steroids, these things work, man. They work really, really well but they don't do anything for the core cause of, of asthma, right? They keep the symptoms at bay. They do a really good job at that. But what these researchers were, were finding is it's so much more effective to look at the core problem, address that from within. And once you do that, so many people have been able to reduce or get rid of those drugs. So, you know, you're, you're in the medical community. I think it has a lot to do. You're in Canada, which is a lot better system in the U.S. Here, doctors have to, have to see like 15 kids an hour. There's no way that they can sit them down and tell them about the benefits of breathing and show them how to breathe right. These kids are having attacks. They want to help them. So they have to give them drugs. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. Uh, there's doctors in my, in my family. I'm friends with a lot of doctors. And they're as frustrated as the patients. Because I think it's a time thing. This breathing, everything I'm explaining to you, there's no way a doctor would have time to do this. And people would have to pay for this out of pocket, at least here, here in the U.S., to get this information. Which is why I tried to include this information in, in a book to at least allow people to have the awareness that there's different options, that they can take control of aspects of their health and really transform themselves in so many ways. Wow. No, that's, that's, it's so true. I, I do think you, you hit the nail with the, in terms of the timing, like, you know, this is, you know, health, healthcare in Canada has its issues too, but like certainly the time to be able to connect with your patients and, and, and present something along this nature, it takes time. And so um, to be able to, to navigate through that also the point where, you know, people want a quick fix. And I'd imagine working on these techniques 
you know, I, I would imagine it was, it's going to take time. Like, you know, it's not going to be overnight where, you know, you're going from a predominant mouth breather into a more of a, a nasal breather. Um, I did also come across some techniques too. And I don't know if this is something you, you've used or come across in the past, but like taping people I hear about taping their mouths and so forth. Like, have you, have you come across that or have you found that helpful or any experience with that? I heard about this a couple of years ago. People are saying, well, if you're breathing through your nose during the day, that's great. But if at night for a third of your life, you're breathing through your mouth, that's bad news. And we know that people who tend to be mouth breathers will suffer from more sleep apnea, more snoring if they're breathing through their mouth. That's the science is very clear on that. But I thought, what can you do about this? <laughs> you know, you're asleep. You don't have control of what your body's doing when you're asleep. And I heard from the doctor of speech language pathology at Stanford. She said, well, I prescribed to my patients a little piece of tape across the mouth, which sounded completely insane to me. Like I associate tape in the mouth with like some hostage situation. But she said, she said, no, no, no. It's this tape that has this very light adhesive on it. And all you do, and I happen to have some right here, is you oh, take sure. a little, this is micropore tape. It's, it's very easy on, very easy off. And what I learned to do is I take a piece about the size of a postage stamp and just place it in the center of my mouth. It looks stupid, yeah. I can still talk, I can still breathe, <clears throat> I can cough. Yeah. When I take it off, I use my tongue. So you see, this isn't constricting me. If I freak out, it just immediately comes off. The point of this isn't to seal off the lips, it's to train your jaw shut at night. Because I'm one of those people, I don't have a big jaw, like that forward growing face. So when I sleep, I just go, and I thought this was normal. My mouth just goes right open. So this had an incredible difference for, for me. I was looking at, I was wearing a pulse ox at night. I was looking at my sleep scores, but an incredible difference. And I've heard the same thing from literally hundreds and hundreds of people. Dr. Mark Berheny, a well-known dentist, sleep specialist down here in the Bay Area, has been using this for decades. But what they've found is that ADHD, a lot of doctors are saying this, ADHD is directly tied to sleep. So if you're a kid and you have sleep apnea and you snore, like that is what is causing the ADHD. And once you take care of that, once you open your airways and you can breathe properly, that tends to go away, which is incredible. Right. Um, and this is a great way of doing it. So I'll, I'll say one other thing. So, you know, taping your kid's mouth at night, it sounds a little sketchy to a lot of people. So Patrick McEwen, a uh, breathing therapist who's been doing this stuff for 20 years, developed this. I know a lot of people can't see this. Uh, this is called myotape. And this is for a kid, so it's really small. What it does is it goes around the mouth, oh, wow. right? So yeah. a kid can open their mouth at any time to breathe, to burp, whatever but it just softly trains them to keep the mouth shut at night. And this has been a complete game changer for so many kids and so many parents. Holy shit. Like I, I'm just thinking to myself, you got the, if I, if I got to make the, uh, the, the choice between Ritalin or whatever is being prescribed these days and taping, like it's a no brainer. Like it's, I mean, just a, like a disclaimer out there, if your kid needs Ritalin, you, you know, do what you got to do. But I'm just saying, like, if you got an option that is 
non-pharmacological, um, well-tolerated. Wow. You know what I mean? Like this, this is what, exactly what I'm saying. Like such a, you know, um, something so simple that could have such a big effect. It's, it needs to be preached. It needs to be like <laughs> yelled to the world. Like these options are, are viable. Um, what about, uh, any experience when it comes to the, 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 you know, improving, improving athletic performance or anything like that when it comes to these breathing techniques? For sure. And just one, one other thing about, you know, myotape or taping your kid's mouth. To me, there's nothing crazier um, than to put kids at age of eight and nine on a bunch of pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. Like if you have to, if a kid has longstanding chronic problems, I totally get it. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying take your kids off this stuff. But to me, when, when people have said, oh, taping your mouth, that seems crazy. Look what we're doing to, to kids and, and to ourselves. Like that seems crazier <laughs> to me. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the idea, like if you look at the science with, with tonsillectomies can work, yeah. removing adenoids can work. By any means, you have to open that, that airway. And there's been a few studies that have found that kids who have their tonsils removed that were chronically inflamed, they no longer had ADHD after yeah. that. You yeah. know, um, so so some kids need tonsils removed. Some kids need adenoids. Some kids just need to use their noses more. You know, this isn't a blanket prescription for everyone. What I'm saying is find a way of breathing through your nose day in, day out, at night as well. Love it. For athletic performance, this was something that was really interesting too. It, it turns out that, you know, athletic performance is all about efficiency. So you want to use the minimum amount of energy to go the farthest and to go the fastest so that you can outrun and outdistance your competitors. But when we breathe too much right now, if we're just, if we're breathing over our metabolic needs, our heart rate's going to speed up. We're going to use more energy. We're going to be able to do less. So there's dozens and dozens of studies dating back 30, 40 years showing that to train athletes to breathe within their metabolic needs, which almost always means breathing less than they are, they can lower their heart rate while still be exerting the same amount of energy. If you have a lower heart rate and if you're using less energy to do the same task, then you can go faster, then you can go longer. So nasal breathing is the number one. That's the first step. I know everyone's probably sick of hearing this from me now. But, but to switch from nasal, that includes if you're jogging, if you're sprinting. Sandy Richards-Ross, the top sprinter for 10 years, destroyed everybody, obligate nasal breather. And check out the pictures of her competing. All of her opponents are next to her, just <sighs> mouths open, her mouth very calmly shut. She's just killing everyone. So uh, the, again, there's so much science. Um, therapists and, and breathing coaches are really getting into athletics right now and they're showing huge gains, but the science has been there the whole time. Wow. And just like, a, once again, easy hack to optimize performance. I, the one, the one that I've, uh, I've, I've definitely tried to implement more nasal breathing in, in my, uh, in my cardio. I do find it challenging at times, like when you're really, um, you know, the end of a, a set or, or, or what have you, but, 
the one of the other techniques I've seen in in terms of improving conditioning is like breath holding. Like I don't know if um like if you got any thoughts in terms of breath holding in in general, like whether it's athletic performance or for um you know like you see Wim Hof doing some stuff in terms of reducing stress. But yeah, when it comes to breath holding, any thoughts towards that? Breath holding has been a part of human culture for for thousands of years. So pranayama, one of the earliest translations was translated to mean a trance induced by breath holding. So it's fascinating reading these ancient scripts and finding all of these methods of holding your breath. So what we've learned later on with by measuring this stuff is when you get better at breath holding, your tolerance for carbon dioxide goes up. So a lot of us associate tar- carbon dioxide as a toxic or waste gas, and it is in the atmosphere. There's too much CO2 in the atmosphere. It's causing climate change. If you don't believe that, read the science, man, because it's very clear. Uh, but we need a balance of CO2 and oxygen in our bodies. And if we're deficient in CO2, then our bodies have to compensate. And it, allow, it causes our bodies to work harder to do very, very simple things. So by having that healthy balance, and that usually means by having a little more CO2 than people are used to, circulation increases. CO2 is this fantastic vasodilator. More oxygen can get to more hungry cells more easily, which is why when you start holding your breath and breathing less and your CO2 goes up, you start to feel a little warmth in the back back of your neck. Your fingers can warm up because more oxygen is getting to these places. So this idea that by breathing more, you're taking in more oxygen, you're delivering more oxygen to your muscles and organs is false. Mm. Um, So right now we could take about 20 deep breaths. You're going to feel a little lightness in your head. You're going to feel some, maybe some tingling in your fingers after a while. That's from a lack of blood flow to that area. That's not from more oxygen. So with, with athletes and by breathing less, you're able to get more, get more energy more easily. And they found that breath holding and other hypoxia training, they call it all these different, normorbaric hypoxia training is the official name now. It's so technical, I don't know why they call it that. But they found it's essentially doing many of the same things as altitude training. And when the reason why athletes go to altitude is they wanna build more blood, right? More blood cells means more oxygen, means they can do more. We can do that by breath holding. So we can increase EPO through breath holding, which then increases red blood cells. So it's this amazing little hack and something you've said a few times that I just want to double down on is this stuff is free. It's available (laughs) to anyone who breathes, which is anyone living right now. And you can do it at any time because we carry our breath with us all the time. So whether or not it's talking in front of a computer, whether or not it's working out, you can focus on your breathing and really get immediate benefits from that. Yeah, and, and James, you know the the stuff that I've uh, I've personally done that I find just an easy way to integrate some of those breath holds is, you know, you do go up a uh, uh, a flight of steps and just hold your breath during that. Or if I'm doing a set, you know, a set of four or five deadlifts, I'll keep my breath held throughout that. Uh, throughout that um, set or doing a f- set of push-ups, same thing, just holding your breath throughout. And you'll, you'll slowly find like personally that your conditioning uh, gets to improve. And, 
the reason I think it's also important to mention now, guys, is a lot of us like uh, can't get to the gym. We're uh, you know it, once again o- October twentieth here in Ottawa, and you know gyms are closed. And so like to, for those that are trying to maintain that athletic edge or conditioning, like breath holding is so simple and can just have such huge bang for your buck. So yeah, I I, I think it's it's fantastic. And then you also mentioned just a second ago too about the how you feel which is which is um interesting i haven't really read much about that like i i've certainly seen wim hoff on on youtube talking about how people's moods and and could be affected by how we breathe and yeah it just interested to hear your perspective on what you've learned or come across by um either breath holding techniques or just breathing in general so breathing improperly can make you anxious it can exacerbate a panic attack it can exacerbate an asthma attack i mean i could go all all down the list and people with fear-based mental disorders whether it's anorexia or agoraphobia or whatever they tend to breathe way too much Mm. because they have a very low tolerance for co2 you ask them to hold their breath they go (laughs) (laughs) so by increasing that tolerance for co2 they will naturally be able to be more comfortable breathing more slowly. And if you're constantly breathing too much, you're constantly sending messages to your brain that this is a stressful situation. Hmm. Because how our bodies work, it's not just the brain telling the body what's going on, it's the body telling the brain what's going on. And 80% of those messages between the brain and the body are coming from the body. So if we allow ourselves to breathe more slowly in a fluid manner that is associated with relaxation, we are sending millions of messages to the brain that everything's okay, that things can relax, that you can bring all of these other less important organs associated with our survival. What I mean by that is sympathetic stress. That is all of the blood is redirected to like skeletal muscles and heart and brains to allow you to like fight or run away from something. Mm -hmm. So all of the other organs that are less essential for our immediate survival are essentially taken offline. So blood flow decreases, which is why so many people get cancer or other problems in these organs that are taken offline during stress because they're constantly stressed and these organs are denied the energy that they would get otherwise. So By just breathing in a slow, calm way, we can bring those organs back online. We can send messages to our brain to actually allow us to think differently in the emotional centers of our brain to make more logical decisions. And this is something that can happen in a few seconds. And if you imagine, if you feel such a benefit from this stuff after a few seconds, what's gonna happen after a few days or a few weeks? I've seen it, I've seen people completely transform their lives with measurements showing that they've been transformed throughout this process just by breathing. Wow. Like, can you think just, just for the listener, like any, like, like clear anecdotal story that, that where that comes to mind where the benefit was just so clear. I could give you about 200 of these things. I met with so many people. And what was interesting is it wasn't just subjective data right it wasn't just hey i feel better i'm good mm-hmm. it's this is this is in scientific papers published in the top scientific journals in the world showing what's happening 
to people's bodies when they start taking control of their breath. So asthmatics are some of the most amazing stories. These people have had asthma for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years, bronchodilators 20 times a day, oral steroids. Like I said, these drugs are lifesavers. They're miraculous. But if you stay on steroids for decades, what happens? You start to get autoimmune diseases. You're, you start becoming much more at risk of bone fractures, of osteoporosis, of worsening asthma. I mean, a whole bunch of th these, these are great temporary interventions, but you're not meant to stay on this stuff for decades. Mm. But see these people who had taken control of their breathing, nothing else. Within a few weeks, they're like, huh, using half the bronchodilators uh, that, that I was before. And within a month, they're on zero drugs. And they were told that, and, and this was reported in the New York Times. <laughs> so not, not exactly a shoddy newspaper. You know, this wasn't something I read online. Hmm. And so you, you learn that the body is so malleable, depending on its inputs, and it can do so many amazing things if we just allow it to do that. So I heard stories from people with autoimmune problems, I mean, anxiety, over and over and over. And again, it's in the studies. And that's what's so inspiring. To me. Wow. No, it's, I love, I love hearing that, just knowing that, you know, once again, something as simple as the way we breathe impacting lives. And hopefully the people listening to this now, it could put a, for any of those struggling with, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's, autoimmune disease, like maybe this is something that can help improve their, their symptoms and quality of life. Um, just out of curiosity, like, is there just, you know, like if someone who wants to get, wants to, you know, start changing their life right now by the way they breathe. Yes, we need to um, breathe through our nose, but is there any like, especially from a, maybe a stress point of view, a, a breathing technique that you found most helpful? Sure. Uh, there's, there's several, but I think one of the easiest ones, it seems so simple that people are going to say, ah, there's no way this is going to do anything for me. Well, check, check it out and see for yourself. You can take your blood pressure before and after, see what happens to your blood pressure. So just by breathing in at a rate of about five to six seconds in, very calmly, very lightly, five to six seconds out, they found we get more oxygen to our brains, uh, and heart rate goes down, circulation increases, and the systems of the body enter something called coherence, where the respiratory system, the heart rate, nervous system, are all able to work together at peak efficiency, which is exactly what you want. And this has been extensively studied. So, and it's so simple. Breathe in to a count of about five or six. Breathe out to a count of about five or six. That's it. If you want to further relax your body, right now you can place your hand over your heart and breathe in to a rate of about four or five, whatever's comfortable, and try to extend that exhale to around six or seven or eight. And you will feel your heart rate slowing down every time you exhale. Because when we exhale, we're relaxing our bodies. That's that parasympathetic state. So throughout the day, if you're feeling stressed, you can breathe in to three or four seconds and then breathe out longer to five or six or seven seconds, even eight, whatever's comfortable for you. And if you're breathing out longer, you're, you're allowing your nervous system to stay 
in that rest and relaxation space. So these things, again, are so deceptively easy. People think that they aren't going to work, but the science is clear. And if you have a heart rate variability monitor, if you want to check your blood pressure before and after, you can see these measurements for yourself. Amazing. Amazing, James. I, I just, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to come on the show today because this is, once again, an, an, a, the ability to make such meaningful change in people's lives with something as simple as this, I think is so important and so needs to be celebrated. And I really want to commend you for your book. I always want to call it Breathe, but it's Breath. Uh, I want to commend you on your book, Breath. It's, it's fantastic. Where can people get a hold of you? At my website, I've included all something like 500 reference, scientific references on the website, including breathing practices from Johns Hopkins and Harvard. There's expert interviews. All of this stuff is free. It's at Mr. James Nestor. That's mrjamesnestor.com. I'm also trying to get better at the social media thing. I'm old, so I don't get it nowadays, all the kids using this stuff. But I'm just posting on Instagram only breathing science-related stuff, and I'm trying to get a little better at that. Awesome, buddy. Well, once again, thanks so much for doing this. And I hope we get to connect again soon, buddy. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. Quadcast Nation. How gangster was that episode with James Nestor? I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, that's at Quadcast. Leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Our website, solventhealthcare.ca, for everything Solvent Healthcare is all about. Guys, we're going to continue to change that boogie. Keep that positive attitude out there, and we're going to connect again real soon. Peace.